We are happy to announce that this episode of the SW Show is partially brought to you by Humble Bundle. Well, not, not really. We are part of the Humble Bundle referral program, and we just wanted to say that if you like really cheap games and maybe helping charity pending the Humble thing going on, all you have to do is go to humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. That's right. Humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. And you just do your normal stuff and it just kind of helps us get a couple bucks here and there. Maybe it helps AJ go about his lights. Maybe it's my camera. Maybe we actually pay Corey for helping us out. But again, if you're going to go buy games anyway, it might be worth checking out. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to one of these interview episodes of the SWW Show. I'm Mike, and today with me, two special guests from Not That Far Away to talk about, honestly, a very interesting-looking game. Uh, to get us started, and I guess I will get started uh, with with you, and I'm going to put your name, and I apologize, and please correct me. It's Mikhail. Would that be correct? You can go with uh, Michael, no Michael, worries. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not attached at all to the pronunciation of my name, so I know it, it, it's a very French name to be pronounced in English. <laughs> Perfect. So, so, Michael. Michael, do you mind kind of introducing you and your partner and kind of the game we're here to talk about? Uh, sure. So, uh, as you mentioned, I, I'm Michael. I'm the creative director at Folklore Games. And this is Jess, uh, our project manager also for our games, of course. And our project that we are going to talk about today is Spiral, which is a narrative-driven narrative, a narrative -driven exploration game that shares with a vision of cognitive degeneration. Sorry, I, I forgot my, my pitch for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're totally fine. Uh, people, it's always funny because like we all have like pitches in our head just ready, but the moment it comes out of your mouth, it's like either it goes out perfectly or like you'd stop halfway through and you forget every word you're about to say. <laughs> <laughs> what is my game again? I don't remember. <laughs> I've talked too much about it. <laughs> yeah, we're here to talk about Spiral, which, which honestly, so the thing I want to talk about first is the, the thing, the reason I caught my eye was, was like the art style of this game is a very distinct, like, I think art style that kind of has this like, I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of curious kind of, I said neither of you like are artists, but I'm kind of curious, kind of, as a broad part, where where did this part kind of come from, kind of, and like the look of this game as like a broader piece of this of this game. It's a lot of change uh, <laughs> during the the development, but at the beginning, it's uh, Audrey, our art director, that is uh, that was thinking about doing something that looked kind of like a dream. So it's not exactly what the reality is, but it kind of look like it so you can you can comprehend that it's a tree but that tree might be a bit more like bluish and things like that so you, you don't remember exactly what it is but it kind of looked like a dream something that would fit together and all those pieces will work together but it's not exactly what the reality will be so you understand that you're not in in that time frame of reality but in the mind of someone I don't know if I'm explaining it right or if Miguel wants to add something on it. Oh, uh, 
it, it sounds about right. The only thing it would have is one thing that was important for Odeo also throughout the development is it shouldn't want any uh, straight line. So every time an object should be perfectly straight, she wanted crooked or broken or something to avoid having straight lines and keep that dreamlike feeling throughout the game. I'm assuming that so the straight lines so adds a dreamlike experience. So as we as we kind of talk about, right? So Spiral is a game that that has a relatively very serious kind of narrative tied to it, um, kind of with this. I'm assuming the yeah. art was kind of to like ground the players a bit, kind of in that narrative. And also, do you guys mind talking about where this idea of like doing this thing of so it's cognitive generation, right? So it's it's this idea of like people might think of. Alzheimer's, or as you get old, you kind of like get more forgetful and kind of think of things. Where did something yeah. like this serious or this kind of thing kind of come from from the team's point of view? That one is for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, so essentially, the idea came a very long time ago from me. Uh, so I don't think we mentioned it, but uh, we are brother and sister, uh, the two of us. Not the whole team, just the two of us. <laughs> and essentially, uh, way too long ago for me to remember exactly when, uh, but our grandmother and two of her sisters in the same years were all diagnosed with different cognitive degeneration. Our grandmother was dementia, one of her sister was Alzheimer, and the third one just a nameless uh, cognitive degeneration disease. And at that moment, I realized that it was most probably where it was also going to end. Um, and that terrified me at that time. And I kept that that feeling and that, I don't know how to call it, but this in my mind for a few years. And uh, in life, some people draw, others going to sing, create music. Uh, I design games. So eventually the idea came to me to put those feelings into a game. And that was the spark that would become Spiral. And very quickly, we didn't want to exactly put the feeling of, of losing everything and being terrified by it, but more accompany someone that goes through without, through his experience and try to understand what it is and see how it's not... It doesn't mean your life is going to be all dramatic from that point on. We wanted to show something more light more hopeful to an extent and that tainted everything to the art style to the gameplay to the story and that was something very important just to not show that as just a tragic game and go with something more hopeful in the end yeah the subject is is hard enough that we wanted to show the put the, the, the light on the people that go through it and how we can be there for them and show empathy even if it's it's not the same relation we had with them before, and we when they tell a story, it's not exactly the the story that they used to tell, but being there has an effect on them, and that's that part that we wanted to uh, to put the light on it. So that so, God, this is so this is a obviously there is a a sense of like personal sense kind of going through it, but you're kind of playing someone who's going through experience, and obviously. For you guys, you kind of saw it from the outside. I'm kind of curious when when designing like these memories or these levels, then how you guys kind of play with that a bit more of like obviously like 
obviously if anyone who's probably designing this hasn't gone through all of it and maybe if you're younger, maybe you could start going through some of the stages of this, but you're not having on this whole cycle kind of yourself. I'm kind of curious how you guys are kind of balancing kind of that to make it feel right, but obviously try and get like a point across too. You the want main to part take is... that one? <laughs> go, go for it. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I thought you, you were... Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of things. Uh, I, I, very early in development, Jess uh, contacted the Alzheimer Association we have in Quebec to meet with them and talk with them and get their impression and mistakes people have done in the past and things that were not shown enough or things that were overused and we did a lot of a lot of, of readings and trying to understand and you realize also fairly quickly that most people on the team had someone in their family that had gone through all that so even if we as you mentioned it's impossible we didn't have any first-hand experience otherwise we wouldn't be able to create the game but we saw how they were changed and affected and with our meetings and with our readings we are able to connect the dots to an extent and one thing that's very important to us is precise we are not trying to teach how it is or show how it is in reality it's a poetic vision of that we are trying to help people understand better but also uh have more empathy and understanding of those people, not of exactly what they are going through. Because also the reason we never use the words dementia or Alzheimer is because we are going with something broader with cognitive degeneration and showing it in a poetic way more than trying to reflect exactly what their, their reality is. I don't think that's possible for anyone without, as you mentioned, experiencing it. But we try to. Oh, no, no, that totally makes sense. Also, yeah. the, the reaching out to the Alzheimer's um, local organization, I think, was a very interesting kind of touch there, too. Have you guys been testing this or kind of discuss this further with them kind of as during development? Or was it kind of at least for that initial kind of discovery phase you kind of at least went through and kind of went through that process with them? We had done some back and forth with them, but they're really, really busy, as you <laughs> you can <laughs> try to guess. Oh, yeah, but they, they don't imagine. have a lot of budget either on their side, so they have a lot of things to focus that are more important uh, than our game. But we send them, like we when we've uh, done the demo, we've sent them a video of what we've worked on. And when they have time, they, they get back to us, but they don't often do. Um, I know that uh, later on we want to reach out to uh, other association to make sure also that if someone has five minutes to just check out and make sure that everything is respectful and uh, is a good thing for uh, for them and not something that's going to draw a bad light uh, on, uh, on the degeneration. So it's important for us, but it's difficult to have a link with them. No. The, only, the only thing that we were for sure during the, the development since uh, we don't know how it feels from the inside, is the way that the collective, we, we often feel like we're being forgotten and we don't often think about the fact that they are forgetting the people around them and it's way scarier. And that part was the part that we wanted to focus on, the, the part that, that helping them and listening to them was really important and it was going to help them at the end. So that 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 
what we implement in the game. The more you're there for Bernard, the more you're helping him, the more you're trying to understand his story, the more you're helping him being comfortable, I guess, with the situation. I don't know how to say that and make sense. I think, but, that, like, yeah. I think that kind of makes sense. I don't know, comf- yeah, I, I can say it's like this idea of like teaching, like kind of grounding them on that what's happening around them. Yeah, that's rough. How did you guys kind of, so let's kind of dig into the, if you don't mind, the design of this a bit, right? So obviously you are walking around this world, kind of experiencing these memories and what's kind of happening kind of in, in their mind. How how did you guys focus on the memories or moments you guys wanted to? Was, was that kind of like a, you guys sat down ahead of time and was like, I want these kind of moments? Was it just kind of as you go into the experience, what is it missing? Like, how do you guys kind of handle that? Uh. There wasn't a, a clear path on that front. I think we worked with a few writers along the way, and Nicole, or Trent Ryder, is the one that, in the end, stick with the project and was the more most comfortable with it. And one, as I mentioned, one thing we wanted was to have a story that wasn't all tragic. We wanted to go through his whole life and have something a bit more. Uh, I I have don't have banal suddenly in English, but more standard, more day to day, and we didn't want him to be a great adventure and exploring the world. It's just something more, just a normal life and having happy moments and sad moments and everything that we are going to go through our, our lives ourselves and having elements we can easily connect with him and understand what's happening for him, even though he has. It's cognitive degeneration disease that we do not have. We can still connect and feel empathy to what he's experiencing. And essentially, from the start, we just build a skeleton for his story. We knew where we wanted to end and where we wanted to start and just fill in the blank. And as we were working through the game, we added scenes and removed some and modified them. But we never had a moment where uh, we really need this scene specifically. We just went along with what would be logical for his life, where it would go next, what would happen to him, and things like that. I disagree on that one just for the floor is lava. We needed the floor is lava. <laughs> <laughs> I got to hear the background then on that one. Was it, was it some sort of like internal fight on a forest level, or is it just kind of a like, no, I just really want one? It's when we talk about uh, um, just just what collectively we're going through and what we can all connect to. It's playing playing as a child and just uh, being being silly and going in the water when it's raining and those kind of things. Those kind of tiny thing that I think as a as child we have more uh, more memory that can connect all of us. So those part when we were focusing on the the. The earlier years of Bernard's, we we had more opinion that collectively uh, made sense for all of us. So I think we have a couple of scenes that uh, that that we were more attached to when he was younger. And I, I, maybe it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that that's very valid. I actually I, I I also I think there's a sense of when you're a child, it almost seems like a unknown in the world and somehow i think forest kind of ground that sense of like especially like a spooky forest you're like i don't know what's behind this fog or behind this yeah. tree <laughs> and, I, and, I, and i do think that kind of at least grounds that sense of like uncertainty because like we in a video game you see a scary forest you know something's gonna happen like it's just kind of like ingrained <laughs> in us <laughs> <laughs> 
was there any other, and obviously you guys, I, I'm assuming don't want to spoil all of the levels of memories, and that's why I'm trying to be broad on that one, but are there any other kind of things that, like, was discussed internally, or any points that have been shown off that, like, was kind of this discussion inside of, like, oh, we need this type of scene in the in the environment, or this type of location? The D&D, maybe? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know why it, it just became so strong that we wanted those kind of scenes. Uh, but yeah, very early on in the development, we wanted a D&D scene. I, I think, I, I just touched on that, but with the earlier scene of Bernard's life, since we were already in his mind, we wanted to showcase his mind as a child and his imagination and how it reflected in the environment. So the forest level is one we wanted to do as a game, but it didn't quite stick. So we changed its its angle. But it's still there. It's yeah, still there. Still, <laughs> there's still lava on the floor at some point. But, <laughs> and, and since we were so strongly anchored in his imagination and we had it reflected in on the environment, we figured at some point we need D&D &D scene. We need to go in imagination while he's playing D&D &D with his friends. And, and it's not called D&D &D because, well, we can't We don't have those right. So <laughs> it's called CNC instead. It's Castle and Creatures. So it's also Also, like, silly. let's be honest. If we put people in, like, at a surround each other at the table and dice, I think I think we all understand visually what something like mm -hmm. that. At least any yeah. of the, like, storyboard <laughs> across of what we're doing. <laughs> I think part of it is rooted in the fact that uh, when uh, Mikael was younger, he was also a uh, dungeon master. And I think uh, Jeff worked, uh, played that too, and Audrey is still doing it uh, to this day. So again, it was something that even if we can explain it by saying, oh, we wanted to showcase his imagination, it was also something that we shared. And if we're able to share it, the four of us being really different people, we can probably share that with many people that and it will help them to understand a bit more the story of Bernard. So I think if, if it's something that connects us, it's a good thing to have in the game. No, no, that totally makes sense. And it, it and that totally, because even like timeline wise, you're like, oh yeah, someone now who's going through the experience wouldn't have had that D&D &D memory. Well, like it makes mm -hmm. sense to ground everyone. Like, yeah, that's totally kind of checks out. As we're talking too, obviously, so I know you said it's you guys, there's a team around you. You guys also, and I'm just trying to understand the relationship here, on Steam, it looks like you guys are co-publishing with Space Jazz. Is that am I understanding this correctly? Uh, yes and no. It's because <laughs> on Steam you you can't uh, put a publisher for a specific region. So Space Jazz is publishing in China only because that's somewhere we can easily reach out. So they contacted us at some point. I think it was last spring, and they told us they liked the game and would like to push it uh, in China, so they're doing the localization and marketing for China specifically, but otherwise we are self-publishing entirely for the rest of the world. They are only taking care of that, well, not that small part of the world, but that <laughs> part of the world, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'm actually curious if you have on that one, because obviously you said they're handling like, the localization part of it. Is there anything you guys had to handle or change to account for adapting and releasing into a Chinese market? So obviously I've always heard stories of like, there are certain either like restrictions or certain ideas, like you in a lot of international markets that like there are certain things that are acceptable there that are or are, are not acceptable in other regions. I don't know if you guys have ran into any of that. 
they did not nope. flag anything. Uh, I mean, they haven't localized the whole game yet, so maybe they're going to flag something. But so far, uh, they, they, they they accepted the whole game as it is and didn't mention anything that they that could be a problem in China. So, I mean, we're, their game is not released yet, so it can still happen. But I don't know if it will happen, and I hope not. Uh, we have a very definitive, but we don't want to skew our vision of the game for a market because they don't deem it acceptable. So hopefully that won't happen, uh, but we can't have a definitive answer for now at least. No, no, that, 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 that makes sense to not try to kind of change the market. I just hear, Skazi, you've heard kind of tales, I think, kind of yeah. a lot of spots. You've definitely heard these stories of like, mm -hmm. oh, we released this market, we yeah. have to change something even simple. <laughs> and that's, mm -hmm. I, I always find those kind of interesting, especially like markets that are kind of harder to get into. Uh, as we're talking yeah. to, you guys also have a demo currently available on Steam. Um, I'm kind of curious, how has feedback to that demo kind of been? And then kind of, has it been kind of different than the feedback you guys were expecting? It went um, amazingly, I guess. Uh, when we started working on the demo, it was it, it's a standalone. It's not part of the game because it was difficult to showcase just a part of the game and and people understand what we were trying to do. So it's a standalone, like a 15 minutes of all that degeneration that we want to uh, bring into the game. And people have been really, really nice. And they, they shared a lot. When we went to an event like PAX uh, a couple of times, or Comic Con, or things nearest to us in Quebec, um, people have always been incredibly uh, nice and sharing so much of their story and trying to uh, tell us how much it helped them or connect with them or that they felt they were thinking about someone that they know that is going through it. So I've never had a bad reception of the demo, even if when people are like, okay, it's a bit too much for me and I don't, I'm, I don't play those kind of game and it, it's too rough. It's not mean, it's just I understand that they, they cannot they don't want to go through that and they're it's perfectly fine. So I, I don't know about you, Miguel, but I've never heard anyone being not exceptionally nice and <laughs> incredibly uh, warm to us. <laughs> I, I think it depends on the context. Uh I mean we at PAX I saw many people just start playing a demo and then leave because they were not that kind of player. I mean, we know narrative game are our niche. Uh, so sometimes people were stumbling on our boot and try the game and well, <laughs> it's a slow paced narrative game. Yeah. So after a few minutes, they just stood up and left yeah. because it was not what they were looking for. My guess and, is packed I mean, a little bit harder to probably showcase a thing like this. Like I, yeah. I've, done I've done like at like GDC, I've done like those serious game experiences where you're like, okay, I put a pair of headphones on and like really listen. But like, it's always you just hear stuff in the background. And it's just harder to kind of dial in I and stuff. Surprisingly, it didn't. Uh, it didn't stop people from crying with us in the corner of the boot, <laughs> sharing their story. <laughs> yeah, so that that was the point. That I think that's what was the most exceptional. I mean, we both went to PAX, but not the same PAX. She went to East, and I went to West. Uh, and something that was very surprising to me uh, was that that people were. 
Yes, some, well, some of them were just walking away after a few minutes because it wasn't their kind of game, but those that like narrative game just sat there for the whole 15-20 minutes and played the demo until they saw the credits at the end. I mean, that's not something you would expect from PAX when they have a few hours to go through everything, at least. But, I mean, some of them are there for the whole weekends, but some are there for only a day and just sit down and play the whole thing because we caught them when they started to try it and decide to sit there. And even if the context isn't marvelous and there's noise all around and people screaming and running and when it was at PAX West, we're between two platform arcade game with sound very loud and I mean it, it was so awful for the context but still we're able to connect with the game and feel the game and that was in my opinion extraordinary. And I think people come back to like they, they, they come to play the demo and they share with us and they're so nice and they go away and you see them back with someone else and they bring people in to try it too and it, it was exceptional to have so many people share their experience with us and share how it means that a game uh, was created about that. Uh, it, it was really great to meet people and have their their opinion on it. It was, yeah. No, highlight of the year. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel like the, the moment had to be when you guys see people come back. Like I feel like that's the moment of like, oh, okay, no, no, this is like, it stuck with them long enough to be like, I need to go find the person I'm bringing this with. I, the thing that... So that to me is you're talking about too. So you, as you correct me if I'm wrong, you guys said that the demo is standalone content, right? Like, 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 not from pulled from the game's content itself. Uh, yeah, uh, we tried at the beginning. I, I think our, fir our first uh, prototype we shared, and well, the first prototype, and then the second we tried to share also with uh, people and publishers and things like that at the beginning. Uh, we realized people were not understanding at all what we we're trying to do uh because throughout the game you have the connected generation that's going to be applied but slowly it's not something suddenly you see and then you lose your memory and when you tried one scene it was simply you explore the scene and that's it so we were not able to share what was special about the game what was the subject what was happening to the, the, the Bernard and to the player themselves. Uh, so we wanted to create something that would showcase that specifically. And so I think it was in 2021, summer 2021, if I remember correctly, we decided to stop production on the game and start working on that demo to have something we're, we're going to be able to share with everyone and show them, well, that's what we want to do, but over eight hours with the whole game instead of 15 minutes and yeah, eventually it became the demo that's available right now that makes sense it, it is interesting sometimes in development it does like it, it it's like it seems counterintuitive for us to be like we're gonna make this content that we're just gonna throw away but it's like sometimes you just learn so much because you're like oh i have to make an entire loop of a level or kind of go this emotional arc in like a smaller thing and it's like oh yeah no that's so it kind of helps set perfect tones for this stuff so yeah, we've been talking here about Spiral. Spiral is coming out in September of this year. Is that still the case? Yes. Yes. Perfect. And you guys will be releasing on Steam? Yes. 
we're going to release on a lot of things hopefully all at the same time in september maybe we'll have to delay a few of the console but hopefully everything will be ready in september but at some point we'll be on ps5 uh on xbox and on switch too perfect you guys will you guys will have have are ready to be everywhere so but i would try (laughs) thank you guys again for talking to me about spiral honestly this sounds very fascinating i'm I'm, i am very intrigued how the whole experience will kind of come together do you guys have and i know there's a lot of fun stuff with like regional stuff there uh any idea about like pricing of the experience as it comes out Oh, uh, we do, and I just need to remember it. <laughs> yeah, it, that's exactly my thought. I was like, yes, yes, we have that, <laughs> but what? what is it? <laughs> um, is it already? No, it's not there. I, I, I'm I, going to go out <laughs> my limb and say I think it's $23.99 USD, but it, I might be $1 yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, no, rough idea. I to think that's people, the price. This is a rough idea. And also, what was really fun with Steam is none of us know how currency backends work. And every time when somebody asks me price of something, I go, I got no clue. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so yes. So, everyone go Wishlist Spiral. Currently, a demo is currently available on Steam. The website for you guys is for folklore.games. Perfect. Well, I want to say thank you two again for talking to me this morning. Before I, I go and wrap us fully up, is there anything either you want to send people, any other thing you want to make a pitch for you guys' game, any of that closing stuff, the floor is yours for any closing thing, anything you guys want to do to try to get people to go check this out? Um, first, thank you so. Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for invi- uh, inviting us, because uh, <laughs> it's always great to have someone interested in our game. And second, I don't know if it's where you are going, but um, no, I don't know where it's gonna go out, so I don't know if it means anything. But we're gonna yeah, have played this at the beginning of March. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, that's exactly where we're heading. So <laughs> we have a playtest incoming from March 2nd to March 8th. Uh, we have a form available on our Discord, and we can send you the link also if you want to put it with the review, uh, depending on when it is going to, to go live. Uh, so if anyone is interested, uh, we're, we're going to have people test the first half of the game. It's still in development, and there's stuff that are going to be missing and there's going to be bugs. But at the <laughs> release, you have an experience of the first half and can give feedback to us so we know how to adapt and what to adapt before we uh, we finish development. And if it's too late and you're going, it's going out after that, still join our Discord because we're going to have another one like in June. So. No Come matter on. what people join their Discord, I will try my best to either make sure this is out before then. If you're hearing it afterwards, I apologize. <laughs> <Stuck> <laughs> but, but we will try our best to make sure you guys are hearing this before that message of March 2nd to March 8th. Did I hear that right? Yeah. Exactly. March 2nd to March 8th, play test, join the Discord. I think we got everything. Guys, thank you again <laughs> for joining me this morning and enjoy finishing development. And as I tell every developer, try to get some sleep in this process. <laughs> thank you very much thank you so much <laughs> the SW show and all of its affiliate podcasts are podcast by me Mike Maroney and AJ Losey by sometimes by our contributors including Corey King you can follow the SW show on social media at the SW show or sooner or later you go to the patreon.com slash SW to help us out 
Thank you. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day.